technically there's nothing new yeah, under the sun. Exactly. Your perspective will make it new because while the overarching thing may be similar to something else, the core may not be. You are now listening to We Are Crayons, the podcast. Conversations with Trinidad and Tobago's creative thinkers and makers. We'll delve into their processes, their struggles, and what drives them to execute continually as creative individuals. I'm your host, Dan McNichol. Do enjoy. Rene Holder, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me here. No problem. I appreciate you taking the time. Before we get started, just let the people know who you are, what you do. That's, that's a real good question because even up to nowadays like I still trying to figure out what exactly that would be. I am currently the creative director at Tuganwell Effects, which is a digital agency. I kind of manage a team of 12, I think going on 13 now, both here and in Jamaica. So it's it's a fun job. It's challenging. Before I actually started in Tugan, I actually ran my own animation studio should have been one of three i think at the point in time in, in trinidad and five in the entire caribbean and i ran that for six years mm-hmm. uh before actually coming becoming the creative director here and funny enough i mean it's kind of a acqui hire situation because i actually took most of my team from lab to a sexy company around into right. web effects so before like all of that what i would like to know is about Rene as a child <laughs> and how did your childhood play into who you are today as a creative individual so i, I would say that when i was when i was younger i guess i was always kind of into like comics and animation and i guess i was into anime before i even really knew it was japanese anime Mm-hmm. So I used to like draw in like the usual thing, I guess, would be drawing your Republic Reader and flip the pages and you'll have the animation moving. And I used to draw a lot. I knew at a young age I wanted to get into graphics or at least I wanted to do something creative. You know, I remember doing like a, a short course in Photoshop on weekends. Right. I wanted to get into the field and both my parents were kind of like working parents. Right. My, my dad was in construction and my mom was like a market manager at marketing distribution at the time. Right. For some reason, I don't know, I don't know where I picked that up from, but when I uh, when I was young, I always was cognizant of the fact that the field I wanted to get into was necessarily a money-making mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. I remember when I finished uh, secondary school, I'm a, only child right okay so I, I know i could just ask my parents hey i want to go to art school right. and they would bend over backwards, backwards to do to it, it done, but yeah. i don't know i was always cognizant of that right and i just honestly i didn't want to ask i i knew i was creative and i knew i could do photoshop and i knew i could do illustrator and i knew i could like do creative things but i never felt like an actual creative person and i guess it's because i, I always felt like my mind was always in two places i was always in the bigger picture of what is required of me to do to become a creative person as opposed to just being, being a, creative a creative person, person right one of the other things that i think would have been key in me being who i am would have been in the express there was vox magazine right yes yes yeah, so yeah. He was this was all these guys this was like uh warren um james hackett uh darren chiwa they were all doing a lot of things in vox and i remember seeing that and at that time i think i was trying to figure out a way for me to leave and go pursue the things i wanted to pursue right and then i saw that they were doing these things locally and i was like hey well if these guys are doing these kind of cool things along the lines of what i want to do then maybe i could find a way for me to do these things locally so then it was important for you to see that happening locally yeah. before you say, okay, it's only happening up yeah. there. Yeah. It was the first time that it actually opened my mind to the fact that maybe there is potential. Right. I think 
around that same time, I actually attended the first anime crib. They had at like National Library in the old fire hall in World Fire Station. Right. And at that time, they had a, a big open panel just asking people like what they think would be required to really and truly make an animation industry trend out, like schools and that kind of thing. And I spoke up at it and kind of gave an opinion on, on what I thought. My dad was there and it was only years later, my dad had, a, had to give a speech about something. And he mentioned that one of his proudest moments was actually seeing me speak up at that forum and understanding that this is what I'm truly passionate about. And it was, it was at that point in time that he saw that in me and that was, I would have been 13. And ever since then, he's always been kind of like, this is the path you want to choose. I will support whatever it is. Because right. he saw that in me at that point in time. So cut to years later, when uh, uh, UTT launched their first animation program, mm -hmm. it was a diploma back then. I would have been part of the first class and I would have met the people that I ever met. And even though I was talented in the creating aspect of the work, I was always thinking about, well, yes, I could do the work, but does that mean that there is an actual physical environment or space for people who want to do the work to actually do the work? I, I noticed even when I was in UGT that they were pushing everyone back into like the agency because there wasn't really a space to really and truly create animation in the way that they were teaching us to do it. So I took it upon myself and I talked to the team and we came up with a plan and we formed the company right after, you know, we built the company from the ground up for six years and we were able to grow the company to about 12 staff. I, I would like to believe on some level we changed the landscape of mm -hmm. animation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or at least gave people kind of like a better understanding of what could happen. After that, how then did you traverse into owning a business coming out of school? How was that process for you? From In my mind, I was always aware of the fact that to do X, there needs to be an environment for that to be facilitated. Right. And again, I mean, maybe this, maybe this is my own self-doubt or self-conscious or self-awareness talking. I, I always believe that there are far more talented people to do the job. I've always seen my job as I need to figure out a way to get them in a place to create the stuff that they want to create. And if I could help facilitate that, then I think I can do my job. And I took pride in figuring that out. So then you became a builder of people and not necessarily things. Yeah. Okay. To me, that excited me a lot more. People always say that creative people are necessarily the best business people. Mm -hmm. um, the whole right brain, left, left brain, brain thing. Right. On some level, I think that I kind of straddle the line. And by me figuring out how to straddle that line, I try to help people where I see that they could be helped. Right. I hate seeing people who are talented. Wasting their talent. Yeah, wasting their talent. And it's not just a matter of just wasting their talent, just because of their own inefficiencies in doing certain things that they're unable to fulfill their full talent because they, they, they may not like be able to have their connections or you know properly cost the things that they want to do because you know they need to live yeah yeah <laughs> so they kind of just do what they, what they kind of do what they need to do to get by but aren't actually doing what they need to do to be fulfilled in an essence then you taking on that role how did that affect your creativity or did it at all in terms of being able to do the work, were you still physically doing the work, doing the drawings, doing the very, thing, or was very, more just admin? Yeah, it was more admin. It was more along the admin side of things. But again, like I, I would be a part of the process and I guess would be helpful facilitating the process. And I was never one for my own glory or gratification. 
It was never about, oh, Rene did this. It was always about, hey, the team did this, or Fabian did this, or whoever was working on it was doing it. And I always prefer to stay in the background, have people see or be affected by the work that we create. I'll be completely okay with them not knowing that I had a part. The biggest thing I think we'll say we would have done would, would have been the Lucy video for Destra. Mm-hmm. And I would see people talking about it and that kind of thing. And it would give me a sense of, I guess, pleasure to know that the biggest comments that were on it was like, this look foreign. Mm. And on some level that bring me a kind of like, because it's like, it was done right here. And I know all the effort, energy, and, and and time that went into it for people to look at it and think that it was done somewhere else. I guess on some level, it feels good, but at the same time, I couldn't figure out how to let people know that this was done locally and it could be done because people's automatic assumption that if it's good, it's, it's not local. It, yeah, and that in itself is a challenge, I guess, we all face. Yeah. And from the perspective of the general public, that is the mentality that I guess we grew up with. Yeah. So it's difficult for us as creatives or for the evening creative industry to really generate the kind of income, mm-hmm. sustainable income, I should yeah. say, for creatives to live by because the value placed on the end product is sort of minimal. Yeah. If it's known to be local, there's no real value placed on it. And I think that's, 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 a, that's a sad place to be. What's your creative process like? I'm able to see the connection. Mm. Sometimes it's very much intangible connections. So if somebody needs to get from point A to point B, the biggest problem is that they don't know how to traverse that path or they don't know what exactly their next steps are. So if someone creates a piece of art here, they don't know what is required of them to get it to where they need it to be. Sometimes I don't think creatives understand that their real purpose isn't necessarily the output of what they create, but more the problem that they're trying to address. So it's not necessarily you create a print ad for creating a print ad. So the problem you're trying to address is getting it disseminating the information that you need to address. That's that's the problem. The problem is not the print. The problem is disseminating information. And if you look at creativity as that kind of you have a problem, you dissect that problem, you figure out the solution, and then you disseminate that solution. If you look at everything like that, then technically everything becomes a creative process. It's never a, a, a I guess a straight path. You kind of kind of figure things out as you go along and, and I the problem solving is where I get the most pleasure, I suppose. Going through that process, having to deal with other creative people mm-hmm. who come with their own ideals, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ways of doing things, how are you able to manage those talents? That's the other thing too. I mean, I I, I can't speak to creatives in other markets, mm-hmm. but I find creative people in the Caribbean are I'm going to say they're, they're hard to work with, but I would say that they're very mistrusting mm. of people trying to help them simply because they feel that this is my thing. I could, I could do everything. I don't need the help mm-hmm. or it's, I don't trust you because I feel like you will take advantage of me. Sometimes that may come from just naivety of not knowing how to negotiate or how to not put things in place so that they feel protected right. enough to have a conversation. Even when I first initiate a contact with somebody, like my, my first thing would be, yeah, I understand that you may feel a certain way. Like, I will send you a non-disclosure. I will send you everything. You just need to sign it, read it, and sign it. Everything remains to you. Whatever we talk about, that is on you. If you decide to move forward, cool. And I try my best to approach them, like, you know, very cautiously. Like, they're a tiger in the wild, like a, a lion in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will go and be like, hey, how you going? And I'll take a step back yeah, and yeah. then realize, all right, cool. We yeah, okay, yeah, cool. We can yeah, talk. Yeah, all right, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I try to approach most creatives. Like, that. like 
like that and I, I kind of give them their space to kind of show me who they are and right. what they want to achieve right. instead of trying to force a particular kind of agenda on them. While creatives can do something, it doesn't necessarily mean that they want to do something. Mm-hmm. My, my goal has always been to try and marry the work mm-hmm. with the creator to get the best output. Having to expend yeah. that amount of time and effort and whatnot with other people. How do you manage your own energy and, and, and be able to keep yourself going? I think sometimes when you tend to find other people who are operating on the same creative level as you, and I'm talking about creativity in the practical sense of doing, just creativity in terms of thinking, and you get the kind of feedback that you really, that really and truly like makes a difference, that really makes you sit down and think, that's what really feeds me. Like I, I like surrounding myself with people who are on that level and able to like creatively drive me in a certain direction. It's like those things like that. Like I, I like meeting people, especially in different aspects. And when we're able to like gel like that, that really gets me excited. And yeah, when I, when I get excited, I, I tend to talk really fast and I get hyper. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, I like coming up with new businesses and it's not even a matter of coming up with a new business to come up with a new business sake it's just that process process, of figuring out how to solve the problem that we're trying to solve that's what really excites me apart from that then what do you do for fun Uh... (laughs) i must sound like the most boring person No, because like, right, so my, my, most of my time is spent, I mean, well, if not, I'm not working, I'm not doing my job and that kind of thing. Like most of my time is, is spent like reading. I subscribe to a lot of feeds right. from a lot of different sources. Mm-hmm. And this is from like tech to creativity to uh, like architecture to just design to something like one thing. So I'm always kind of bombarding myself with tons of information. And it's always funny because even though I know it may not stick subconsciously, it, it sticks. Yeah. When I was in college, uh, people used to call me library because I could always reference to something oh, else yeah. that I've seen before, which is kind of annoying because when people come with me with new ideas and it's like, hey, I have this new idea for something. Someone's like, somebody did this like ideas ago. But you know what? I'm not trying to shoot on the idea or anything. I'm just saying that there's a framework involved that, that, yeah, that yeah. you could probably like use. Yeah, yeah. Some people tend to take it like, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't do it because. But I'm like, there's, there, technically there's nothing new yeah, under the sun. That. Correct. Absolutely Agreed. nothing new. Agreed. Your perspective will make it new because the perspective of where they're coming from is will be an uh, American perspective or a European perspective. But our perspective is a Trinidadian perspective or a Caribbean perspective. And while the overarching thing may be similar to something else, the core may not be. Mm-hmm. It comes out in the most unconventional ways yeah. you know and sometimes you know, it, it don't even like register like you know you got this from but it, it feels familiar but you can't really pinpoint from where yeah but so like i never understand people who are in a particular field but aren't consuming everything about that field to me that seems like such a foreign thing so it's like if you're a filmmaker you should be watching a lot of films and it's not just a matter of watching but like analyzing and investigating and so when people tell me like, oh, well, I'm a writer, but I don't really read a lot of books. It's like, I don't understand. Like, why? <laughs> Agreed. Because it's like a fish saying, yeah, it's a fish, but I don't really like water. Because <laughs> then I, I have to wonder what is feeding your process? Mm-hmm. What, what exactly is feeding your creativity? What, what exactly are your inputs to create the outputs? Are you just some magical well that is just coming up with yeah. everything? <laughs> then great. That's fantastic. But I, I just I just have to wonder wait, what what exactly is feeding this creativity that you're that you're doing 
Mm-hmm. So what is one thing, Renny, or maybe two or whatever, something that you struggle with that you still haven't put your hand to say, right, okay, I figured this thing out? Just being a creative entrepreneur. <laughs> it boggles my mind sometimes just how to create a sustainable environment for any kind of creativity in Trinidad. Mm. Ask any graphic designer and I'm sure most of their subsistence is made from party flyers mm. for fets or, or that kind of thing. I think we mentioned we talked about it before in that there's people don't put a lot of value to, to creativity. So it, there's always this disconnect of I want to do X, but I can't sustain X. So I do other things. Mm-hmm. But doing those other things monopolize all of my time where I can't even do X. So apart from um, my job and everything else, I'm also the vice president of the Trinidad Tobago Animators Network. So kind of a lobbying body for animation and animators within Trinidad. And, you know, I, I would have been the president of, uh, when, when we first started, I would have been the one kind of like shepherding everything to get it started. And now I kind of taken up step back to be vice president but it's still something that is always nibbling in the back of my mind is like how can we really and truly create a mm-hmm. sustainable environment mm-hmm. for creative mm-hmm. i have hired freelancers and they will send me an invoice and they go like how are you surviving on this you need to charge a little bit more yeah i'm looking at it like you spend x amount of time doing something i'm taking that breaking that down by your, to your hourly rates at least mm-hmm. what i assume is your hourly rate based mm-hmm. on what you're charging me and the hours you're spending on it and i'm like you can't even buy lunch on this sometimes mm-hmm. though like how Mm-hmm. you live in so it's just the back of my mind is always how can we create a, a, a sustainable environment for it i mean we could get into it but i think that would have been on some extent the downfall of love to the six right because okay know, let's, as, yeah, let's get as, into it as, yeah as, uh, as, as funny as it sounds like i think i was trying to be captain saber who right <laughs> <laughs> right where i trying to save everybody yeah. Yeah. but the ship only could take so much so much because when we started we initially started the company with the purpose of creating caribbean animated content and in doing that we had no income every job we did was put back into salaries or put back into into keeping the business running right and then i guess it was just a matter of building and building and building and building and me mentally telling myself all right cool well we need to do xyz to get it done we will put aside the original projects for now we put aside the original projects for now because we need to do this we'll put aside the original projects now because we need to do this we put aside original projects this this time too we need to do this mm-hmm. and then it ended up becoming up a, a situation where we're just doing so much and just doing and not actually creating right and after a while like after six years of of just doing me personally i started to get burnt out yeah and when i turned 30 which have been three years ago i i literally told myself that i'm giving myself one more year mm. because I, I really had to ask the question like yes i'm creating an environment for people to do what they want to do and yes the people who are was in the company at point in time love their jobs and even though you know we may pay salaries late mm-hmm. one month and that kind of thing like everybody stuck with it and right. stuck by because this is what they genuinely and truly wanted to do and they believe the dream but i was getting burnt out because i couldn't see the end anymore i could just see what we needed to do to get by mm. and i couldn't see the end goal of what we were trying to achieve anymore it's a hard place to be yeah and i i started i started to get burnt out and i just i i just realized after yeah i just couldn't do it anymore i really i genuinely couldn't do it anymore and looking back on it now like i realized i gave myself a year i didn't give myself a year to choose Mm. whether i would do it or not i gave myself a year to come to terms with that decision right something i was building for six years i was just literally gonna walk away from 
and how did you feel after walking away? <sighs> it's only been last year that I actually started to put myself back out there. For a year after I left lab, like I felt a bit of a, a failure. Mm. So during lab times and that kind of thing, like I was speaking at conferences about animation and doing a lot of things for for Tita, for Trinamigo Animators Network and even Startup Weekend and all those other things. Like I was real, I was involved in the whole community and that kind of stuff. But after lab, I kind of pulled myself out of it because I wasn't sure how to tell people that I didn't make it didn't make it or i just i couldn't figure out how to to tell people that i just i just got tired i got i just got tired of the of the grind and trying to figure out how to make something work because at the same time like i'm speaking as the president of titan at that point in time and telling people animation is a great thing to get into and the industry is growing and that kind of stuff but at the same time my company is just doing everything to get it done without actually creating and there was always this disconnect for me where my heart was slowly not getting feeling like into it mm-hmm. but i still had to play the part of building this and this this industry mm-hmm. so i can't be like i can't i can't go out to a public forum and be like this industry not really going anywhere it's stagnant it, it, it took a tour of me emotionally and it, it, it's only been last year or so that i really started to get back out there and you know go to meetups and talk to people and, and really and truly share what's been what, how, how i felt at that point in time because i kind of just took up back you know it's like i just don't feel like dealing with people anymore Mm, wow wow <laughs> wow so with anime carib yeah. being 16 years or, or don't quote us <laughs> <laughs> being there for a while right how do you see the industry growing or has it grown yeah. to the point that you think we are on our way to becoming sustainable or producing more of something that we could get something back from i try not to look at it too insularly mm-hmm. so i try not to look at it from trinidad and trinidad's animation mm-hmm. i try to look at it from the caribbean as a whole right because you know our island with one point something you know creating animation all right cool but i'm not really going anywhere so and to be honest and just to give you like uh, a comparison a small studio in india is 50 to 100 people that's a small scale animation studio Mm -hmm. we don't even have that amount of professionals working in trinidad alone the the numbers don't really match up Mm -hmm. from my perspective like we will never if we keep looking at it as trinidad as jamaica as barbados we will never compete at any kind of international level against these guys simply because we just don't have the human resources Mm -hmm. to put behind it Mm -hmm. so there needs to be another path towards success and there is and always has been a lot of interest in animation as a creative field. Mm. I think now there is a push towards IP creation as opposed to outsourcing as a potential avenue. I, I think that I think that might be a better push forward. And I think we're, we're we're starting to move more towards that direction. But again, you're still creating these things in in silos and we tend to fall back into, I guess, the creative dilemma, which is, you know, me for me, I fi, I doing this here, you study what you're doing across there, mm-hmm. instead of how can we all do this together mm-hmm. to make a better foot forward. But again, I have my own ideas of how we can do it better. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when they get to that place, they will decide, you um, know. So I have my own ideas of how, how we can how we how we can do things better. And after lab statistics, I I think only now I'm yeah. getting back into a place where I think I could try again. Yeah, yeah. Because that was gonna be my next question. You know, if if it's something that you're gonna try again, yeah. because I 
to believe that you do have something to offer the space, whether it is you do it in that format or in in some other format. Yeah. I think that you know, yeah, it's it's needed. Yeah, I I I, I do wanna wanna try it again. Um, cool, cool, Rennie. Thank you very much. Hey, um, thanks, man. Let me get you to. Tell people where to find you or find your work or whatever you want to share. Uh, well, you can find me uh, anywhere. Title is uh, that guy ran, that guy ran. Yeah, because um, there, there was a, it was a point in time when everybody was like, "Yeah, hey, you're you're um, you're that guy." So I just kind of adopted it into everything. So like, <laughs> so that guy ran on Twitter. That guy ran on Instagram. Um, you can follow me there. <laughs> My name is Rennie Holder, and in a big box of crayons, my color would be opacity 10%. So that's it for us, folks. Thank you for listening. Catch you in the next one. Please share this episode with someone who would find it valuable. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts to get new episodes as they become available. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. It would help us reach other listeners just like you. Find additional content on abigboxofcrayons.com. Follow us on Instagram at abigboxofcrayons. The We Are Crayons podcast is a production of A Big Box of Crayons. All rights reserved. Until next time, friends, remember... We are all the same in the fact that we will never be the same. Stay colorful.